All right, thank you. Well, hey, uh, I don't know some of you here. Uh, my name's Corey. I'm one of the pastors at River of Life Church, but most of the time I'm over at the Sox Center location, and so it's good to be here. I got to be here last week, and that was fun, but this week I get to preach, and uh, I'm excited to share with you because uh, this is something that's important to me as I got to uh, travel and be a part of this project, this initiative that we're going to be talking about. And next week, you have the amazing privilege, and I don't say that lightly, to hear from the missionary that has started this initiative called Change the Map. Um, He's over in Thailand, normally just got back earlier this week, and we're his first stop. He's in Sox Center this week, he's in Long Prairie uh, next week, and it's going to be fabulous. So I'm excited for you to be able to hear from that, but uh, you're stuck with me today. So... Uh, We might as well pull out the Bible because that's going to be better words than what I can give you. So here's what I want you to do. Grab your Bible. Um, I want to invite you to find the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel, not very often preached out of, but it's in the Old Testament. Uh, The Old Testament is the first of two parts of your Bible, right? And to find Ezekiel, if you open to the middle of your Bible, you should hit Psalms or Proverbs and you go a few more and you'll find Ezekiel right between Lamentations and Daniel. And then I want you to find Ezekiel 22, chapter 22, and we're going to get to that a little bit later. But we're starting this global focus for the month of March, and our global focus refers to, because uh, you might be like, global focus of what and why, it, it, it refers to one of the three main focuses, focus, foci, I don't know what that you're supposed to say there, three main areas that we have in this thing that we do here called Kingdom Builders. Kingdom Builders is a platform that we have that supports ministry that is done outside of this building. So anytime uh, you give to this Kingdom Builders, it goes completely outside the door. We don't keep any of it. A few months back, we talked about this idea, and we said you can give to our church or through our church. Kingdom Builders is giving through our church. When you give to Kingdom Builders, it goes right out the doors. We do ministry. We do some things that are here in Long Prairie and in the surrounding communities. We do things in the United States. And then we also do things for the global. And then our third area um, is for future generations. We do things to help kids and teenagers. And we're going to talk more about the local ministries and um, how we support the future generations and those things at another time. But this month, we're talking about this idea of global. Now, this is going to be funny to some of you because some of you know me. But something hit me the other day while I was watching an episode of a show uh, that I'm kind of into right now. Um, I realized as I was watching this show that we look at the population of our world in an interesting way. Um, Okay, so I was watching Star Wars. Okay. <laughs> I love Star Wars. Shocking, right? But it hit me. On almost every planet in the Star Wars universe, all the people on the planet are called the same thing. Every single person, they're called the same thing. On the planet Nemoidia, you have everybody on that entire planet is called Nemoidians. Genius, right? You go to the planet Mandalore, and everybody on the planet is called Mandalorians. You go to the planet Kamino, everyone is called a Kaminoan. And on the planet of Kashyyyk, everybody is called? Nope, they're called Wookiees. (laughs) But they're all Wookiees, right? They're all the same. They're (laughs) They're all the same. Here's my point. 
We don't see the population of our planet like that. We separate ourselves. We have all these different names that segregate us. We have Americans and Mexicans and Colombians and Moroccans and Iranians and so on and so on and so on. And I wish, I wish that we were more like the president from another amazing sci-fi movie, the classic Independence Day, right? <laughs> if you can't tell, I like movies that are not realistic because I deal with reality a lot. It's some, just fun to escape sometimes. But as, as the planet in this movie is being attacked by aliens, the president of the United States gathers a bunch of Air Force people. And this is what he says. Listen to this. He says, aircraft from here will join others from around the world. And you will be launching the largest aerial battle in the history of mankind. And here he pauses and he kind of looks down as if something just occurred to him. And he continues, continues very matter-of-factly. He says, huh, mankind. That word should have new meaning for all of us today. We can't be consumed by our petty differences anymore. We will be united in our common interests. And everybody's like, yeah! <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> but listen, we as mankind, we have a common interest. And that's the kingdom of God. And it doesn't matter if you are American or Mexican or Colombian or Moroccan or Iranian or whatever. God wants every single person that is a part of mankind to know him. Okay? Did you catch that? Doesn't matter where you live. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter what they've done to us or whatever. God wants every single person in mankind to know him. And that is why we are um, globally focused as a church, just as much as we are locally focused as a church. Everyone needs to hear about Jesus. And the global church is a very interesting thing. You have some areas like Nicaragua, where 96% of the population is Christian. The church is thriving there. And then in other places, Jesus is not known nearly as much. There's actually a huge portion of the world that is not doing so well and is actually considered unreached. Unreached. And I'm going to define this word unreached for you really quick so there's no confusion to what this means. So here's what the word unreached means. It is defined as a group that has no indigenous community of believing Christians with adequate numbers, which is more than 2% of the population, and resources to evangelize this people group without outside assistance. So this doesn't mean that there's no Christians in this area. It simply means that most of the people there have never heard of Jesus and most likely never will unless somebody comes and tells them. That's what it means to be unreached. And I want to show you something on the screen here called the 1040 window. Okay, it's called the 1040 window because as you can see, it, it contains the countries that fall between the 10 and 40 degrees north latitude lines. Nearly two-thirds of the world's population, 5.27 billion people live in these countries. 5.27 billion. Now, why is the 1040 window a big deal? Because 3.25 billion of those 5.2 billion are considered unreached. 3.25 billion people that live in the 1040 window are unreached. 
and most of them have never heard the name of Jesus. Now, going back to what I was talking about with this idea of we are mankind, if we truly care about the kingdom of God and not the American kingdom, if we care about mankind falling, fall, finding Jesus like he cares about them, like Jesus does, then this right here that you see on the screen, this should be a big deal. Almost half of the world's population is unreached. And of those, specifically, one billion Buddhists are lost and living in darkness. The darkness that would absolutely break your heart if you saw it. And that is the area that we are going to be focusing on this month. We're taking the whole global focus and we're narrowing it a little bit to the Buddhist world. Back in November, I had the opportunity to travel to the Buddhist world, to Thailand. I went with a few other pastors from Minnesota to visit with a missionary named Mark Doreen. Uh, he started this initiative called Change the Map. And we're going to talk more about what Change the Map is in a few minutes. But I want to tell you a little what I experienced while I was over there. I learned some things about Buddhism that were very interesting. Very interesting. We all have these preconceived notions of what Buddhism is all about, and I'm telling you most of them are wrong. Many of us have heard of karma, right? Karma, we think of that when we think of Buddhism. This is a foundational belief for Buddhists. Karma is the belief that our actions have good or bad consequences for this life or the next. You do something bad now, you're going to reap that benefit in the future, whether it's in this life or in your next life. Along with karma, we have what's called merit, merit. And these are actually the things that you do to make your karma better. There are all sorts of ways to, get to make merit is the way they call it. We make merit. Um, in the Buddhist culture, you, you can be generous. Um, there's acts of kindness, meditation, and you can even transfer merit to other people. And because of all this, most people believe that Buddhism is this loving religion where everyone is at peace and everyone is happy. Well, people are definitely kind to each other over there. Very hospitable country. People were so nice to us over there, all over the place. They are afraid their karma will drop. That's why they're nice. They almost have to be. So it, it's a kind place. It's a, it's a nice place, but there's, there's not a lot of peace and there's not a lot of love. Because love is actually frowned upon in the Buddhist culture. That sounds crazy, right? What do you mean? Well, here's the thing. Enlightenment is the ultimate goal of Buddhism. And I'll share with you what that is in a minute. But to become enlightened, you need to detach yourself from the things of this world. Okay? That's when you become enlightened. And you become enlightened so that you can understand the true nature of the world, of yourself and of the things around you. It's, it's really confusing. If you look it up, you're going to see um, people on the internet say, ah, enlightenment is probably the most important thing in Buddhism, but nobody really understands what it means. But if you, so here's the crazy thing. If you love something, you have attachment outside of yourself and you will not be enlightened. So you are actually told not to love, not to become attached. So why become enlightened? And here's a really uplifting topic for you. This is so depressing. 
Check this out. Buddha was the first person to become enlightened. He was a Hindu. Um, and he actually sought enlightenment because as a prince, he was a prince, he lived in a palace, he had never seen suffering before. But one day after he fed, f- fled from the palace, think Jasmine from Aladdin, right? Um, he fled from the palace and he saw a world of suffering and pain and sadness. And he surmised that the meaning of life is to suffer and that we need to find a way out of this suffering. Now this is where reincarnation comes in. Okay? One of the chief beliefs in Buddhism is that you are re- reincarnated after you die, you come back. If you led a good life, then you will come back as something better. You know, if you gained enough merit, your karma is good, you'll come back as something better. If you led a bad life, your karma is bad, and you'll come back as something worse. Well, Buddha decided that he didn't want to be reincarnated. Because you've heard the saying, life sucks, then you die. Well, in Buddhism, life sucks, then you die, then life sucks, then you die, then life sucks again, and then you die again, and so on and so on. And I'm sorry I said the word sucks in church. So Buddha meditates under this tree until he figures out how to not be reincarnated. That's enlightenment. Enlightenment, the whole point, the whole goal of Buddhism is to cease to exist. Because life is so awful, it is so painful, I will do whatever I have to do to not come back again. How depressing. As you can imagine, that has huge ramifications on how we share the gospel with Buddhist people. We preach eternal life. You get to live forever. And these guys are like, yuck, I don't want that. I'm trying to get out of this. I'm trying to stop living. It makes it tough. So I saw these beliefs played out all over the place while I was over in Thailand. And that's one thing that I actually kind of admire about the Buddhist culture because they have integrated their faith into their everyday life on a massive level. Here in America, sometimes it's hard to tell if someone is a Christian or not because we just don't live differently most of the time. We should, but we don't. But everywhere we went, we saw shrines, We saw spirit houses, not to mention the massive temples. There were shrines on street corners every, I don't know, half a mile or a mile that took up a whole corner lot. And they were packed all day long with people praying and giving and meditating. And pretty much every property, every house, every business, every school, every government facility, they all had these spirit houses. They look like doll houses that are up on a, a pedestal, almost like a, a giant birdhouse. And what they are is um, you can offer prayers and small gifts or sacrifices to the spirits that guard your specific property. Their faith shaped their life It was everywhere. The temples were massive, massive, and they were so ornate. They were by far the richest properties in the cities. People give ridiculous amounts to these temples so that they can gain merit. Many times these temples were built on the highest hills in the towns. They call them mountains, right? Um, So that they could be seen from everywhere. There was always people there praying and giving, but there was, it was crazy to me. There was a lot of tourism. Um, not this picture, but there was a different picture where you saw a lady in the background holding her cell phone, taking pictures of people praying. It was just no big deal to them. It was all over the place. It felt sacrilegious to me to pull my phone out in a temple and be like, <laughs> felt weird, but they didn't care. 
They were there to gain merit by praying and giving. They were there to gain, listen to this, they were there to gain luck and power from the spirits that they were praying to. They would go to these places to pray to spirits to gain luck and to gain power. There were so many other things that I wish I could tell you about the different festivals, the mixing of Buddhism with all these different religions like Buddhism and Hinduism mixed, animism thrown in there, ancestral worship, all of these things just mixed together. There was so much that I experienced and I learned. One of the main things I think I I walked away with was just seeing the lack of hope. There was no hope. And these people were awesome. They were great. I love these people. I love Buddhist people. But they are lost and they are hopeless. We heard Thai people who had become Christians. They would explain um, almost every single time they would explain their life before and they would use this word, stuck. And as a Buddhist, they just felt like they had no hope of being enlightened or of being reincarnated as something better. It's, it's all so random and so unsure that they just... They don't have any type of assurance at all that they are doing well or what's going to happen to them. And it hit me so hard. They're just stuck. There's no hope for them if they keep living the same way that they are now. They need the gospel. They need to hear about the only true hope that is found in Jesus. And check this out. It is being preached over there, okay? It is being preached over there. Um, And you're going to hear next week some amazing stories. Or if you've read the book, Change the Map, so far, like Mark Dream, he's going to share you some amazing stories. Um, Missionaries are there sharing the gospel. Churches are being planted. They're coming to know him. I went to a church service, and I got to see two guys, one in the second row and one in like the fourth row over there. They walked forward at the end of the service. Two Thai guys walked up, weeping, gave their life to Jesus. Things are happening over there, but it's not happening enough. And that is why Change the Map was created. This initiative, because we need to be more intentional about, being, about reaching these one, million, one, billion, one billion Buddhists for Jesus. There's such a spiritual darkness in the Buddhist world. It's, it's dark. Listen, they, they understand and they admit that many of the spirits that they pray to are evil. They don't They don't care. They don't care if a spirit is good or bad as long as it can give them luck or power or get, make their situation better. They, they are openly live, inviting evil spirits into their temples, into their cities, into their homes, into their lives. And because of that, it is a dark place. Many people, even many people I was on the tri- trip with, when you would walk into these areas, they would just talk about the darkness that just weighed on you, the dark oppression when they were around these Buddhist areas. And there's no doubt in my mind that these demonic presences have power and are doing whatever they can to push back the gospel being heard or believed. They're fighting. You've heard that there are spiritual battles that are being waged. It's real. I've always known about spiritual warfare, but I've, but I've never been somewhere where it has been so real and, and where it's really, uh, where I've been so aware of it. It might sound crazy to you, but evil spirits are a real thing even today. We don't just read about them in the Bible. It's it's happening around the world today. And we are doing battle with them in the spiritual realm when we are trying to bring Jesus to the Buddhist world. And this is why we're talking about change the map. 
Because first and foremost, change the map is a prayer movement. As Pastor Josiah said, you're going to have opportunities to give, but the most important thing that we can get out of this month is to be a part of this prayer movement. It's about mobilizing prayer partners to push back the darkness and open up the Buddhist people's minds to hear what Jesus has to say. And this is, this is the question that I had when I heard about this Change the Map initiative. I heard Mark Doreen speak on this back here in the United States, and he invited some of us to go over to Thailand with him, and he's like, we need to pray. God, want, God needs us to pray. And I'm like, why? Why do we need to pray for this? Why doesn't God just go in there and take over? He's bigger than them. He's stronger. He's the big brother, right? He's, he can do all of this if he wants to. Of course he can, but, but there's more to it than that. And this is the main thing that I learned on this trip. My eyes, my mind was like, for real, when I started understanding the power of prayer and what God wants with it. You see, God wants to partner with us in prayer. He's not going to do this on his own. And, and I don't completely understand why or how. And why all this partnership stuff works and how this authority stuff works. And, and we're going to talk about this, but, but we see it all over Scripture. I don't always get it, but God wants, to be a part, wants us to be a part of moving his kingdom forward. Okay, so here's Ezekiel 22. Verses 29 through 31 is what I'm going to read to you, okay? Here's what it says. The people of the land practice extortion And commit robbery. This is the Lord speaking through the prophet Ezekiel right now. He's telling this to the people. They oppress the poor and the needy. And they mistreat the foreigner. Denying them justice. Verse 30. I looked for someone among them. Who would build up the wall. And stand before me in the gap. On behalf of the land. So I would not have to destroy it. But I found no one. So I will pour out my wrath on them and consume them with my fiery anger, bringing down on their own heads all they have done, declares the sovereign Lord. Now, this is heavy, but here we have the Lord speaking about this city that is vile. It's heartless, it's evil. And then God says, I looked for even one person to stand in the gap on behalf of the land so that I wouldn't have to destroy it, but I found no one. And these verses are heartbreaking for more than one reason, okay? Because we see God's heart in them. I want you to think through this with me. This is where I struggle a little bit to understand. See, God obviously does not want to destroy this land, right? I mean, he's searching and searching for the entire city, for just one person that will stand up for the city, and he doesn't want to destroy it. And here's the next crazy part for me. He doesn't want to destroy it, but he's going to anyway. Like, time out. You're God. If you don't want to do something, just don't do it. That, that's what goes through my head. Like, why? You don't want to destroy the city? Don't destroy it. But this shows me how strongly God feels, us, feels about us being a part of what he's doing. He's like, I need someone on my team. I need someone to ask to spare the city, to stand up. I just need you guys to want this too. And we see this other places. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 and 20. The Apostle Paul, he says, God has given us this task. God has given us 
this task of reconciling people to him. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. The wording here is powerful and unmistakable. God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. Wait, what? It's our job? That's a big job, like a God-sized job. Why doesn't he just do it? (laughs) We're Christ's ambassadors, okay? We're his representatives to the people of this world. That's a lot of people that we are supposed to ambassador to. We speak for Christ, like yikes. I don't know if I want to speak for Christ. That's a big responsibility. Like, why doesn't he just speak for himself? Listen, I don't know why. I really don't. I just know that he wants to partner with us. We see it all over. There's something more going on here than we understand. It's something that God thinks is important that we just don't get. But that doesn't make it less important or less true. God wants to partner with us. Look at this in 1 Kings chapter 18, okay? I'm going to read this one to you or just tell you this story. See, we see God, um, he has imposed a drought um, that has lasted for three years in 1 Kings 18. Now he tells his servant Elijah, he says, Elijah, go confront the people in King Ahab because I'm about to send rain, okay? Check that. I'm about to send rain, he says. Go talk to the people. So God has already decided that he's going to send rain. But just a little bit later, in verse 42 of that same chapter, we see Elijah praying for rain. Why? God says, I'm going to send rain. I'm going to do it. And yet we see Elijah praying. Why does Elijah have to pray for rain if God has already told him he's going to send it? Again, I don't know, but God wants us to be partners in what he's doing. In Acts chapter 9, Saul, soon to become Paul, right, is met by God. He's blinded. And soon after, God says to a man named Ananias, listen, I think you're catching my, uh, my train of thought here, so I think you'll hear it. God says to a man named Ananias, go pray for Saul because I want to make him see again. Just make him see again. Why? Why does Ananias have to pray? Why doesn't God just go, Paul, you can see. He wants to partner with us. I I think you get it. I think you get it. But God wants to partner with us specifically through prayer. And, And here's... Here's one thing I think I understand about this. I think a big reason that he wants to partner with us is because of what we talk about here all the time at the end of each of our services. God wants to have a relationship with you, right, with each of us. He doesn't want to force his will on you. He doesn't want uh, to just make you do things. He wants you to be in on what he's doing. It's not much of a relationship if you are forced to do what he says, He wants you to want to be a part of what he's doing. Now, when it comes to prayer, we should also not be trying to impose our will on God. We should not be pleading with God to do what we want him to do all the time. Now, don't get me wrong. Ask for what you want. God wants to hear that, okay? All right? God wants you to speak to him. He wants this. But but we are not trying to change his mind about something when we are praying. See, we saw from our examples before that we are to be praying God's will. Hey, Elijah, I'm going to send rain. Elijah's like, sweet. God, send rain. Hey, Ananias, I'm going to heal Paul. I'm going to let him see. God, help Paul see again. In each of these, these guys have heard God's will 
and then they pray it to release that thing to happen. This is what John, uh, 1 John 5.14 says. It says, if we ask anything according to his will, he will hear us. If we ask according to his will. It's like a, it's like a kid shopping for their, their parents' Christmas present, right? Some of you have little kids maybe or you, you remember. What's the first thing you did when you were five or six years old trying to buy your parents' Christmas present? You say, hey, mom, dad, what do you want for Christmas? Right? You ask them, what do you want? What do you want? And then they're like, oh, I want this. And then what's the next thing? Okay, cool. Can you drive me to the store and pay for it so I can buy it for you? <laughs> you have these kids doing nothing. The parents tell the kid what they want. The parents drive them to the store. The parents buy them for it. The parents probably even wrap it and put it under the tree. And then the parents open it up and they're like, oh, this is exactly what I wanted. <laughs> See, listen. We ask God what he wants. What's your will? And then we say, okay, that's what you want. Will you do it? It's actually a pretty sweet gig. We don't have a lot to do. God, what do you want? Okay, do it. And I know we can get in the routine of just praying, God, I pray that your will in this situation be done. And that's not bad, right? It's, not, it's like, God, I don't know what your will is, but I want that to happen. So whatever you want it to be done, let that be done. And that's okay. It's probably not wrong. I don't think God's going to ignore your prayer if you pray that way. But man, I want to challenge you. What if you, before you prayed for a situation, you actually took the time and said, God, what do you want to happen here? God, my best friend Cheryl She's got cancer, and I want you to heal her, but what do you want? Is that what you want here? Do you want to do a miracle, and do you want to make this an amazing testimony, or do you want something different for her? God, I, I'm really struggling at work right now, and I need a new job so that I can quit this one, or I just got fired from my job, but God, what, what, what do you want here? And if we could take the time to ask God his specific will I believe knowing his will and praying it is a powerful, powerful thing. And again, I don't exactly understand how it works, but God wants, to, wants us to pray because prayer works and God has chosen to work through the prayers of his people. Could he do it without our prayers? I, I Probably. Why not? He's God. But many times he chooses not to. So really quick, three reasons why I learned over in Thailand of why we need to pray. Really quick. These are going to go fast. Number one. God wants, us, wants to partner with us. That part we've already beat like a dead horse, right? But here's the second part of that. God wants to partner with us, so he has given us authority. I want to really quickly look at Luke 9, 10. Uh, Luke 9, Luke 10, and Mark 16. In Luke 9, we read that Jesus sends out his 12 disciples to go minister to the people around them. But before they go, it says he gives them authority... Authority to cast out demons and heal diseases. Well, that's, he did that to the 12. That's not us, right? Okay, Mark, uh, Luke 10, sorry. Luke 10 shows Jesus giving authority to the 72 of his followers over the enemy and to not get hurt is basically what he gives them authority. Well, that's the 72, right? That's not us. Okay, well, Mark 16. Mark 16, 16 through 18 says anyone, anyone, this is Jesus talking, Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. 
But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink any poisonous thing, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. Those things mentioned in those verses right there were the same exact things that Jesus gave to the disciples when he sent them out. We all have authority if we are followers of Christ. Jesus has given us authority because he wants to partner with us in moving his kingdom forward. You have authority if you pray in his name. Number two, and worship team, you can come up and get ready at this point right here. Oh, there's going to be some movement behind me, okay, kids? I need you to focus here. <laughs> but we need to pray, number two, we need to pray to push back the darkness. I talked about this before. There is a spiritual darkness in the Buddhist world because they're praying all these spirits into them, into their cities. They're inviting this darkness into their lives. We need to pray that God would do the same thing here in this Buddhist world that he did for Daniel. I want you to look at Daniel chapter 10, verses 12 through 14 with me. It says, Then he said, this is the angel that shows up to Daniel, Don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before God, your request in was heard in heaven. I have come in answer to your prayer, but for 21 days, okay, Daniel prayed this 24 days ago, but tw in 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. I couldn't get to you, Daniel, but then your prayers broke through, and Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him with there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now I am here to explain what will happen to your people in the future for this vision concerns a time yet to come. See, Daniel prays for God to show him the meaning of this vision he had. God is wanting to send Daniel that message, but it was hindered by an evil spirit. Darkness was stopping Daniel from hearing the message of God. But Daniel, Daniel's prayers... Uh, after 21 days, by the way, it took 21 days of prayer, and Daniel's prayer finally became the power to fight through. It's crazy stuff. But it's real. There is darkness in the Buddhist world, and we need to fight against it. Like, God, we pray right now against that darkness. <sighs> God, we pray against the darkness so that you can send your message through to these people that need you. And then the, number th the third thing, we need to pray for a spiritual discontent. And this was something that the missionary told us over and over and over while we were there. He said, we need to pray for the B Buddhist people to feel discontent, like something was missing in their lives. And it's simply this, God, as they are praying at the temples, God, as they are meditating, as they're seeking enlightenment, God, we pray that they would feel something isn't right like there is something more God I pray in the name of Jesus that they would search for real truth and that they would find it God I know you want to partner with us God help us to pray help us to release your kingdom into that area God your power in fact we're going to take a few minutes right now as the band leads us in a song we're going to, I want all of us to just pray and ask God to move for God's will to go. Because listen, God's will is to reach these people. We know that. 
That is his will. So we can release that will as we pray. So here's what we're going to do for the next two, three minutes. I want you to stand with me. And as this song is being sung, let's just pray for these people who need Jesus so much. God, we ask, we seek, we pray. God, we pray that your spirit would go on our praise, would go on our prayers. We ask, we seek, we pray that your power would move in the Buddhist world, that the darkness would be pushed back, and that one billion Buddhists would hear your name, Jesus. Okay. Now, I, I hope that this whole partnership with God and this authority talk doesn't just affect us when we're praying for the Buddhist world. I pray that it affects us for all of our prayer lives all the time, right? Like whatever we're praying for. But what does it look like for us to practically pray for the Buddhist world, okay? Change the Map has a plan for this. This is the whole plan. They have a goal of having 50,000 people sign up to become prayer partners that will commit to praying every single week, once a week, for the Buddhist world. They have created a place for people to sign up to become one of these prayer partners. And with signing up, you get email notifications. And they actually have an app coming out here in the near future where you can get push notifications to remind you to pray. Every week they send out um, a notification or an email that has prayer points. And you click on this YouTube video or this podcast video and they lead you in a three-minute prayer. They literally want 50,000 people to pray for three minutes once a week. That's what they're looking for. And we're hoping that we can have 100 people from our church become a part of this. So if, if you are seriously going to do this, I don't want you to sign up to be one of the 50,000 and then not pray, okay? If you're going to sign up, pray. But here's how you do it. You can take that little change the map bookmark that's right next to you that you probably sat on and crumpled up when you came in, right? Um, Grab that. There's a QR code on the bottom. You can take out your camera, scan that, a little yellow box appears, you click on it, right? Or you can go to changethemap.net um, and you can sign up. Or if you're like, technology, not happening, okay? I understand, that's fine. Next week, not this week, next week, um, when the missionary comes, he's going to have a piece of paper that you can sign up and they will put your email and your information in. They'll do it for you. Okay, and if you want to do it this week, I can help you. But here's what's going to happen. You're going to go on this changethemap.net and right in the middle, right in the front page, is going to say join. You click on that, you put in your name and your email address, and then once you hit join, on the left-hand side, there's going to be a bunch of little things that you can click on. One of them is going to say, i got to find it, pray with a group or church. I want you to click on that, and then you're gonna find River of Life Church. Here's the cool thing. We are the first active church to be praying um, in this initiative together as a group. Um, so far, I think there's seven of us in the group. All the pastors are in the group, right? But today you have an opportunity to become a part of that group. Then it's almost like a social media thing where every once in a while you can put a prayer in there and say, man, I'm praying for this, and other people can see what you're praying. Um, it's a really, really cool thing. So take a look at that. That's a way that we can pray together. But again, don't just sign up to sign up. We need to pray. We need to bathe 
the Buddhist world in prayer. We want people who believe God's will is to reach these billion people and we want them praying. Prayer works. God wants us to pray. He's given us authority to do it, to call forth his will and he wants us to partner with him in this. And I just want to pray before we go and then I'm going to let you out of here. Father God, I've been there and I've seen the people and I signed up for this change the map thing before I went and not gonna lie, I struggled to do it every week but since being there, I haven't missed it. In fact, I almost do it every day, not just every week. And so God, I pray that even if these people haven't been there, that they would catch the burden, they would understand there are a billion people who have no idea that they are lost, that they are hurting. They know they're hurting, they know they're hopeless, and they don't get it, they don't know what to do. God, I pray that as we pray that your will would be known to them, that they would feel discontent, that the darkness would be pushed back so that when people go to share the good news, God, that they would be able to hear. God, that it wouldn't be blocked, that it wouldn't be something that just goes in one ear and out the other, but God, it would change lives like your word does. And so God, I pray that you would give us a burden for these people. God, help us to partner with you. Even if we don't understand how it works, God, we know it's true and we know you've given us authority. So God, help us. Give us the passion. Help us to remember to pray for these people. Thank you, God, for what you're going to do. We're excited to hear more about this next week from an amazing man of God that you sent there. So until this week, speak to us. Show us what you have for us as a part of this global focus, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Hey.